Hello, welcome to the Marysville Journal Tribune podcast. This episode is brought to you by Axion Energia, proudly bringing solar power to Union County and the Buckeye State. My name is Michael Williamson, and I'm here today with Tim Miller, sports editor of the Journal Tribune, Alexi Pavlov, sports editor of the Richwood Gazette, managing editor Chad Williamson, Bob Putman, sports writer. Marysville Journal Tribune. All right. Game number one for the football season is completed. Uh, So we're going to talk about that and look at game two, which is tomorrow night. Uh, If you haven't gotten a chance to listen to the Conversations with Coaches podcast, there are two of them right before this one. Uh, Coaches for all five of the schools that we cover talk about their teams and kind of how everything's looking. So be sure and check those out. Where do we want to begin? Well, we'll let Chad uh, give us his impressions on what he saw from the Monarchs against New Albany this past weekend. Yeah, I would guess everybody that follows Marysville, parents, fans, whatever, remembers last year what New Albany did to Marysville. Um, Because Marysville had been coming off of a year where they had an incredible team, great playoff run, um, a lot of all-state players. And they still had some role players. I shouldn't even say role players. I guess they were – contributors, like solid contributors coming back, um, you know, Griffin Johnson and Colton Powers, like those were big contributors on that playoff team. Now I'm still talking about last last year coming in. So New Albany comes into town. Marysville's never played New Albany. Playing at home, everybody's fired up. Very nice night. Stands are packed, and, Mar- and New Albany just slapped Marysville all over the stadium. From the opening kickoff, within two drives, Two offensive and defensive drive, you could tell Marysville didn't have it and New Albany was far superior, and it all originated up front. So everybody comes in this year for Marysville's football team, and all kind of summer long people have been asking me, what's Marysville got? What's Marysville got? And I had to answer them with, I honestly don't know. I, you, those names aren't there this year. You know, there's there's not Powers. There's, there's Johnsons, but they're not carrying the ball. So – I didn't know what their identity was going to be. I knew they lost a lot. Um, and, you know, here comes New Albany, and we go down there to play New Albany, and I, I think people were a little worried. Um, and as things turned out, Marysville looked pretty good. Um, as I said right off the bat last year, you could tell at the line of scrimmage that Marysville was overmatched. This year, you could clearly see that wasn't the case. Um Marysville ended up winning the game 24-17 and honestly wasn't as close as that score indicates. I would say from the halfway point of the first quarter, Marysville controlled the game. And again, it started up front the line. And, you know, a lot of new names, you know, a lot of times the linemen don't get credit and you don't know who's going to be out there. But Marysville has a pretty good-sized line and they look pretty talented. Uh you got a uh, senior tackle, Nathan Price is 6'3", 225, which is not huge. And then there's a senior guard, uh, Liam Wilder, 6'205", not big. But then you've got three juniors who are starting in there. Eli Helmuth, who's really big and pretty strong, 6'2", 295. Uh, another guard, Justin Tompkins, 6'1", 245. And then their center's a, a junior also, uh, Gage Counts, 6'1", 265. You know, those are some sizable guys. And, and – they block well together. Then you throw in there the senior tight end, Drew Fraker, 6'2", 220. They block well together. And if you look at the photo, I like to look at still photos that I take at the games, and you look to kind of – you can see when you stop the moment, you can see if the linemen are in the right position. And they look good. They were in good position. And what I also like to see a lot of times and what Marysville really preaches is 
you also see running backs and receivers in there throwing their helmet in and catching blocks too. And a lot of teams you don't see that. A lot of teams receivers just kind of, well, it's not a pass. I'm just going to hang out out here on the outside. But you see receivers and they're mixing it up. Well, that's how Marysville's been taught to play football right. since right. they put on the pads. For Everybody sure. gets a hat on somebody. Running the ball on defense and, and, and everybody blocking. I mean, it is, you know, so outside of that, what's nice to see is that it's, so it starts up front. But also, what were they going to be as an identity? They're, they're, they had a new quarterback. The running backs, I think, like we've talked two years ago, uh, Kratowskis contributed, but then last year he was hurt so much. So you really didn't know what Marysville was going to have coming in. And all of a sudden, here comes Kratowskis back, you know, and he got 145 yards on 23 carries. He was a hammer in there. He runs real low. He's a, he's a big kid, but he runs – almost kind of Mike Allstott style. He bends down and he takes that impact with his shoulder pads. He doesn't give him his chest. And and uh, and then you, I think they had six different guys that ran the ball. Marysville ran for 274 yards, you know, with like six different guys. They had a, a little shifty uh, junior, uh, Nathan Wood. He's a little guy, a little, little shifty he's fast. He's not very big. No, but he is but, quick. but he's quick if you can get the ball. And he actually scored on a touch in a receiving touchdown where he caught it maybe 20 yards downfield and then took it another 29 to the house. Well, Marysville's got an added dimension to their offense this year that they haven't had for several seasons in that Brevin Borkwin, their senior quarterback. I'm gonna struggle saying that name all year. <laughs> I got well, Brevin down, but that Borkwin. Well, I'm, u- I'm used. I think to the, they call him Quinn in practice. <laughs> so. Well, that's. I wish. I wish I, they just shortened the program. Well, I'm, I'm used to the Borkwin name because Brevin's uh, older sister Sydney was quite a good basketball player at Jonathan Alder mm-hmm. several years ago. But he's adding a more of a passing element to the offense this year. And for the last two, three, four. Preseasons. Whenever I talk to Brent, he he always said, "Well, we want to pass a little bit more this year." And what do we I always say? I'll, I'll believe year. that when I see it. Yeah, right. every we year. Pass a little more this year. Well, they didn't pass a lot against New Albany. I think he completed what four out of five. Four out of five for a touchdown. But they've got the potential to pass more this it, year. And and I tell you what, he's 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 not overly big, but he's not size wise, but he's six foot three. He can see over the line, and the receivers can see the ball coming out. Well, Marysville's past quarterbacks, uh, at least for the past few years, weren't that tall. No, very short. And, and they couldn't see He's very over fast the too. defense. Yeah. He's very fast, too. He he ran it a few times. He picked up maybe 16 yards. He did score on a quarterback dive. But he didn't break any big ones. But if you watch that game and what people ask me about him, they said, well, the stats are whatever. It's kind of pedestrian. I said, if you watch the game – he passes that. He passes that sniff test. He passes that. It's a the man, eye test. It's like, a manageable passing it, game. It, you can just see the arm movement. You can see when he runs the ball. He's going to have more speed. He he is going to break some long runs this year. I guarantee it. He he is going to break some thirty, forty, or more yard touchdown runs, which is something Marysville hasn't had in the last few years. And he he is going to zip some long touchdown passes i'd really like to see him get the tight ends involved a little more that wing t really needs the tight end passing game to come into it a little more but you know if if you watch that game as a marysville fan i you probably haven't seen a, a quarterback like him in a long time just from 
the way he the way he looks, the way he carries himself, the way I mean you can you can kind of see it coming. It's just a shame that an injury that he had two years ago, uh, he had played his freshman year at Jonathan Alder. They got, came here to Marysville, and he broke a collarbone in the first scrimmage against Delaware Hayes during that preseason, was out all, all season. Last year he comes back, but they had him as a junior quarterback in the fresh or the junior varsity team and they won nine out of their ten games, which is pretty good. If he had had maybe two years of varsity football mm-hmm. experience, I mean he's still good and 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 taking nothing away from Brady Seeger who did a fine job of managing the offense and the wing team the last two seasons. But Revan's gonna give other teams something to think about. Yeah. They, they they know that Marysville's bread and butter their reputation is built on running the ball. But now, if looking at Marysville and films, these opposing defensive coordinators have to keep one other thing in the back of their mind. Hey, you know, and if they get the tight end, maybe a pop pass over the middle to a tight mm-hmm. end, if they get that going and added to their resume. Well, that, that, they're, backs they're the lineback- be- that backs the linebackers sure. and the DBs off of the line of scrimmage and makes opens that run game up. And, but like you said – Every year we've heard this. We're yeah. going to pass more and we're going to do this. This is the first time in a long time, like when I've seen Marysville play, that I would tend to believe that. I would tend to believe at some point, you know, they're going to open that thing up and and people are going to have to account for it a little bit more than normal. Um, so I guess if you go back to the game, it was funny. It was it was scoreless kind of back and forth, not much going on that first quarter. And then this kicker from New Albany – I can't remember his name. He he bombed about a sixty yard punt, pinned Marysville on the four, and as it turned out, that kind of unraveled him. Marysville then went on like an eight minute march, a lot of Kratowskis. They just hammered him in there like a bowling ball, and just shoved him down the field. And ninety six yard scoring drive, eight minutes went from the first quarter into the second quarter. Really, I think demoralized New Albany. Um, came out later and got a touchdown on that pass I mentioned. Missed a field goal in there. Now, New Albany did break the old 74-yard touchdown run on a sweep. But outside of that, if you take – Marysville only gave up like 218 yards total offense to New Albany. You take that 74 out of there, and that's the rest of the game. Marysville's defense really looked good too. Here again, I don't think you're going to have any, you know – well, you might have some D one players, but you're not going to have a first team all stater in there. But there's, you had a, you had a lot of a lot of guys running a lot of guys in and out. You know they're a little bit undersized on defense, but they but they move and they come run to the ball and they hit too. I'm telling you, they 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 made some good hits, some good open field tackles. They played good assignment football on defense. Well, that's what Marysville does. Yeah, again, that's what Marysville's done for a long time. It's just that I think, and what we were talking about it a few weeks before the season began. You don't you look at Marysville's roster and you don't see what I call an it player. That's right. You don't. You don't. They're not. A, they they are don't not have a guy a, who's it for them. When I used to play softball, we used to talk about lobby teams. You come to the field. You always talk about it. If you saw them in the hotel in the lobby, they look like a great team. They got great uniforms. They got big guys or whatever. Marysville's not a lobby team. They're not going to intimidate anybody really. Just running out on the field, or I think at the, even as you're playing the year, if you're looking at their stats, 
but as a team. And, you know, that's what people ask me, you know, what's their identity? And their identity is te- going to be team football. You know, that's what I asked that very question to Brent Johnson. And he, his quote was, if I had to label them right now, I don't know that we've got that one guy, but we've got a great team. And that's exactly right. That That is exactly <laughs> through the one-game sample, but that is what they look like. You know, very – a lot of young guys, a lot of, a lot of juniors in there, which, it, which bodes well for the future. You know, very workmanlike, very lunch pail, very, you know. I'd rather have that kind of team than have uh, one or two it guys who are going to be leaving you at some point. Yeah, you're a, you're a busted ankle. You're busted ankle away from being a totally different team. If right. you're if you've got one running back or one linebacker or one quarterback or whatever, that guy goes down and then where are you? Honestly, Marysville's defense, one of the big guys they had coming back was Steven Garcia, defensive line. He hurt his knee in the first quarter. Who knows where that's gonna be? It didn't look good and it doesn't look good. They never missed a beat. Yeah. You know, he was he was I thought he was gonna be one of their defensive leaders. He goes down early. They they still swarmed to the ball, ran guys in and out, you know, fresh legs, and and they they didn't miss a beat. So well, you, you have to have that next man up mentality if you're going to survive. Now this week, Marysville is going to be playing one of Chad's favorite teams. Boy, boy, I got I have worries. <laughs> it, it's not a, not not about this year. <laughs> it's a it's a home game against Perrysburg, which is up up around Toledo. Toledo. Marysville played them a couple of years ago in the playoffs and hammered them pretty good. There's good news and there's bad news. Mm. Good news is Perrysburg's coming here on Friday night. The bad news for Chad is that just 365 days later, and Chad's already worrying about it. My career is dissolved to the point that <laughs> I'm be... worrying about football games a full year <laughs> before they ever take place. And, they're, and uh, I am hoping I get hit by a bus because I do not want to drive to Toledo on a Friday and try to file a story and get photos in and get back here for our Friday night deadlines. Well, you have to go up through Windsor, Ontario, and then oh, take a man. U-turn. I know. And then I don't even have my down. passport. What the hell am I going to uh, do? Well, I'll loan you mine. <laughs> but uh, – this is a team that is – they're in Marysville's region. They're replacing – Which is unbelievable. I know. Yeah. Every well, year. Take a look at the regions in football. I mean, one year Sam and, Sam and I went down for a Fairbanks football game to Beverly Fort Fry, which is God's country, yes, but it's a long ways from – where we yeah, think the big, of those. the big school and the small school divisions, man, it's hard to yeah. find. You you got to looks like the uh, congressional districts. I guess I was just like, I was just getting ready to say well, I'm yeah, not going to bring politics into it, but that's like gerrymandering these districts. Well, somebody right. gerrymandered when you've got Perrysburg divi- into our division, and here if we you, go. If, you, if you're if you got you're you're worried about or concerned about or interested in divisions three through six, you got a bunch of schools around that size and you can have better looking regions. It but makes yeah, geographically it makes more yeah. sense, but boy oh boy. And Marysville, their region is all basically a, most of Columbus is in one. Right. But Marysville's kind of fractured off of this one side and they take in everything up to Toledo to get enough 
in their region. It is a uh, they kind of got the shaft on that one. Well, Perrysburg is replacing Lancaster on the schedule. Lancaster didn't want to play Marysville anymore because of the travel issues. <laughs> so now, apparently not. Apparently, Brent Johnson doesn't have a problem with that. So, so he. He said, uh, we'll show you travel. The Perrysburg opened up the season last week. They beat St. Francis de Sales of Lucas County, not yeah. not the Columbus St. Francis de Sales. Or Ryan Day's son's the quarterback. And, right. And this de Sales is a Division II program up near Toledo. But Perrysburg handled them 46-8. to uh, They like to run the ball, according to what Brent told me, but they aren't afraid to put the ball in the air. They've got a quarterback named Josh Takats, T-A-K-A-T-S, who threw four touchdown passes last week. Oh, boy. Week. Well, that uh, doesn't bode well for Marysville. Yeah, uh, historically poor in the yeah. past defense game. I was about to ask if mm-hmm. uh, what's your thoughts about the defensive back situation? They didn't get tested. Like, New Albany dropped back a few times, but they, they, didn't, they didn't heave it up, you know. So uh, it's way too I, – I have no, no body of work to, to – well, one one body they're going to have to watch out for is their receiver, Gavin Fennick, and he caught three of those touchdown passes. And he caught 38 passes for nearly 500 yards last season. So he's he's definitely a go-to guy uh, on offense. Um, quarterback will run the ball, and they operate behind a decent-sized line. But, yeah, I – you know, from what you've talked, Marysville's defensive line can match up with just about anybody. They're not. They're not schedule. big, but they're 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 quick, and they like I said, they Marysville handled New Albany and really didn't stunt much, didn't didn't blitz. So they still got some tools left to to roll out. They if, they may have to do it to this guy because they're going to have to put pressure on him and disrupt their passing game. And Brent also said the linebackers. And defensive backs are going to have to recognize very quickly where they're going to be able to drop back to be the most effective on defense. And, I, yeah, uh, secondary play has been a concern for Marysville for a number of years. So uh, I know it doesn't, it doesn't carry over from one year to the next, but I know when Marysville played Perrysburg a couple of years ago, they were huge. Remember they had those two big like D one oh, yeah, prospect yeah. defensive linemen on stacked on the same side of the line. They they, were they look like boys. monsters. I don't know if I don't know if they grow them big up there like they used to in Jonathan Alder, but I don't know. But uh, it sounds to me like Perrysburg's bread and butter is they like to get out and score quickly. They like the long explosive plays. And Brent says we've got we've got to slow them down, make them get three, four yards at a time instead of, you know, getting around on the edges and, and starting to track. Me. Is it the same coach that from the playoffs a couple of years ago? Uh, yes. Do you, do you remember that game, Tim? You were up there with me in Lima. We Remember, we couldn't get any QB burgers because <laughs> the line was out the door. But that's when and they mo- had that. And most of the people were from Marysville. I that's where they had that, that quarterback that was about 290 pounds, remember? Yeah, and all I'm going to all I'm going to say about that is I rem- if their passing game looks like it did then, it was not that kind of precise route running passing game you see around here. It was more of that Dayton style, mm-hmm. a lot of fly patterns, a lot mm-hmm. of almost backyard style football. Mm-hmm. So they may it may be that kind of thing where they try to out athlete you at positions and throw the ball up. 
Well, the, the DBs have got to keep bodies in front of them. They can't let this Finnegan get a step on him or has he never, may be off to the race. Has never been the strong point, though. No. You know, Marysville just got burned in the last minute of the game this week for a long pass that, that dropped New Albany down there inside the 10, and they scored in the last minute. You know, they – and it was a lost coverage. He dropped back. There was a guy on him. He broke in. Marysville's guy broke out, and – Long pass. I'm going to see Perrysburg in a 4-3 defense. And uh, Brent said the biggest thing they're going to have to do is hog the ball. They're going to have to sustain drives. They've got to keep their defense off the field as much as they can. Uh, and he says they've done a pretty good job of that in their two scrimmages and also last week against New Albany and, and – it sounds like to me the offensive line is getting off the ball very quickly. Kratowskis is running hard, and they, I think they've got an, just enough of a passing game, more of a passing game than what they've had the last few years. I think it's going to keep Perrysburg's defense honest. Somebody's going to want to walk up, almost look goal line on them at some point this year. And, and they're going to burn. I think Marysville's yeah. going to burn them. Yeah. So well, they're probably just waiting for that opportunity. With with Borkman at quarterback, and again, if if they can get the tight ends more involved in the passing game, a quick pop over top is going to be gold for Marysville. So let's talk a little bit about Jonathan Alder, the other team that we had that went undefeated in their opening week of the season. Alder played at Fairbanks, and it was – it was a weird game in that Fairbanks moved the ball on Jonathan Alder. They did a nice job between the 20s. Fairbanks got into the red zone four times and came up with zero for their efforts. And then two of Alder's touchdowns came on pick sixes. They had three interceptions for the game. Uh and one of those pick sixes was was just uh, a younger quarterback mistake on the part of of Fairbanks. But I really like Jonathan Alder this year. Um, what was the final? It was forty-seven nothing. But it it was it, closer it, than it sounded. Well, the way the way Fairbanks moved up and down the field, which Patrick Cotter, their coach, was happy with. He wasn't happy that the series is didn't end like he had wanted him to. But Jonathan Alder does have that it guy in Cameron Jewell who rushed, I think, Alexi for, what, 14, 1,500 yards yeah. last year? Yeah, he, uh, I think not, he was second in the CBC. Yeah, he's yeah. not going to sneak up on anybody this yeah. year. No, no. But it doesn't take much of an opening in their line for him to sneak past people. Uh I don't think he ran for over a thousand yards two years ago as a sophomore, so I don't think he snuck up on too many teams last year. He's just quick enough that he he's a hard nosed runner. He has a nose for the end zone. It's um, Grant Horn started a quarterback for Jonathan Alder, and I think Grant is about the third consecutive starting quarterback that they've had since JT Keith graduated a few years ago. But um, defensively, Alder looked pretty good. Uh, they 
host Buckeye Valley on Friday night. And have you talked to Nathan about that? I yet? have not talked to Nathan about that yet. Uh, what did the what did the total? Do you have that in front of you? The total yardage kind of breakdown, like when you talk about all, that Fairbanks was able to move the ball and you know. Uh, and Alder, you know, had some defensive scores and things. Sometimes that total yardage can kind of spell that out better than the uh... – Well, Fairbanks had 261 yards total offense. It was split right down the middle between their pass and run game. That's, yeah, that's not shut down at all. That's... No. No, they, they ran well from 20 to 20. It's just they lost the ball on downs about three times. Hmm. They threw three interceptions. And on, on one interception that went for a touchdown, Fairbanks' quarterback, Carter Miller, who's going to – he's, he's going to develop into a, a decent quarterback, but he's, he's new. This is, he got some snaps last year, but this is first year starting. And the play developed right in front of me on the sidelines. And he, you know, he was looking – of course, his eyes were a lot – you know, Jonathan Alder's defensive – Secondary was following following his eyes. He forced the pass up, where if he had pulled the ball down, he would have gotten a sure first down. And and but that's that's a first year starter's mistake. And but uh, Fairbanks could not stop Jonathan Alder's ground game. They ran for over 250 yards, and mm-hmm. Jewel got 160 of those. Mm-hmm. And he is gonna. He's gonna be one of the few, I think, it players that our coverage area mm-hmm. is gonna have this year. Um, but I talked to Cameron after the game, and um, he was effusive in his praise for the offensive line, which Jonathan Alder was quick off the ball, and again, Fairbanks is gonna be decent in their. Conference, the OHC. Jonathan Alder is going to face bigger and stronger opponents here, starting with Buckeye Valley, even though Buckeye Valley got dusted by Delaware Hayes last week. Alder's going to have the, t- the schedule's going to get tougher for them. They're going to, you know, they're going to be facing uh, Bloom Carroll here in a few weeks. Bloom Carroll is just unbelievably talented. State semifinalists last year, weren't they? Yeah. yeah. And um, I, I, we can't ignore the fact that they're also going to face Bell Fountain with their uh, star quarterback, yeah. Tavian St. Clair. One of, the, one of the games that Jonathan Alder may have the most qualms about is they got to play North Union again. That game is always – you don't know what's coming. Yeah. Like from that standpoint, yeah. you know, I know North Union stubbed their toe this week. I don't think anybody at the table would be shocked if – when they meet, if North Union rises up and does something like both of those, I mean, that clear back to when it, they played in the CBL, those were emotion games. Yeah, you never saw so many fist fights as in a Jonathan Alder and North Union game in the CBL. They'd be punching each other under the bench. <laughs> so, uh, as far as Jonathan Alder, I think I think they'll be okay against Buckeye Valley. Uh, it, it'll be a tougher game, but the biggest thing about Marysville and Jonathan Alder's upcoming games, they're both going to be home on the artificial turf, and it's going to be roasty toasty Friday night in the 90s. Yeah, you'll start so don't uh, fry your tootsies yeah, when you're buy, in the... buy some stock and bananas because you're going to be seeing a lot of cramps this week. Yeah. There were a few cramps in my game this past Friday, and it was beautiful out. Yeah. And, boy, oh boy, when it hits – when it 
hits 80, 80, 90 degrees out there on that turf. I was out, I was out at Jonathan Alder for a soccer game and, uh, I was talking to Brian, their head trainer, uh, athletic trainer over there. And he mentioned that, uh, Andrew Heisler had some cramp issues during the Fairbanks game. Yeah, they, it took four guys to carry him off the field. (laughs) I mean, he was, they were even trying to work on him after the game was over with. He'd lay down there, we're trying to get cramps, uh, Start drinking your water now, guys, because you're going to need to come. Well, I know Marysville several years ago played down at Delaware Hayes. And I don't know if you remember, I ran a picture. There were at one point three guys cramped up in a row. And I took that. And I know after that game, Marysville, I think they got like a hydration consultant Mm -hmm. to tell, all right, what are we doing wrong? And so I think they've got some game planning about stuff like that. But, boy, if you're a smaller school or something and you don't, Mm-hmm. Now we had great weather for the first week of the season. Normally that first week, and especially since the season was bumped up mm-hmm. a week, normally middle of August you're looking at nasty weather. Now it sounds like it's going to come back at us here this Friday night. But uh, Fairbanks is going to play Indian at Indian Lake on Friday. Um, talked to Patrick Cotter. He said, we've just, you know, they're – some things we need to, to tweak. He said, we, we've just got to finish drives. He said, and we've got to cut down on some of the mistakes that, well, a couple of mistakes led to those two pick sixes. But, again, it was a learning tool for a young quarterback. Um, it's too bad they couldn't have punched a few scores in. You know what I mean? To, getting Losing to Jonathan – to be Fairbanks and to lose to Jonathan Alder is, yeah. is not a terrible thing. And if they move the ball, that's something to gain confidence. But if they could have – Put some scores in there. If they could have and gotten, had something to feel good about, kind of going into the second week, I just I hope this doesn't like start them down that path of kind of self destruction where they don't believe that they can. I win. don't think Patrick's the kind of coach who I don't think he'll let that happen. But you're right. If they could have come away with it, just, even just a couple touchdowns, mm-hmm. that would have been a lot better. Um, both teams are going to be looking for their first win. Uh, of course. Indian Lake lost forty nine to twelve to Anna, which you know we've talked about Anna and, and the and the MAC conference. So, so that was a tough way for them Anna to open finish their... four and six and win two or three playoff games. Yeah, yeah. Um, they've got a uh, Indian Lake's got a decent quarterback, but he's more of a runner than a passer. Uh, their offense runs through Burke Lillard, the quarterback, and then also Drake Drake Crosby, who's their tailback. Uh, everything seems to run through them. They want to establish their passing game or their running game, but then they can also uh, use that to loosen up their passing attack. Uh, Patrick says they don't have any schematics that Fairbanks hasn't seen before. It's just uh, – Fairbanks has to match him uh, athlete for athlete and and tackle well, which at times they did not do against Jonathan Alder, especially uh, I remember on one pick six that you know, returned 30 yards, the kid who was returning it for Fairbanks or for Jonathan Alder Mitt was uh, broke through a couple potential tackles that, that for Fairbanks, and that's they they've just got to. They've got to wrap up their tackles a little bit better. Uh, hopefully, they'll be able to get uh, Junior Riker Green back 
on the field. He went out pretty early with an angle injury. He plays running back, can play defensive back. He's a special teams returner. And asked Patrick yesterday, Monday, uh, what Riker's status is going to be. And uh, Patrick said, well, I guess the best thing we could do is list him as day-to-day. But then Patrick said, aren't we all just listed as day-to-day? And I said, yeah, we all are. But he said they've got to eliminate the turnovers and just finish drives. You never know what you're getting with Indian Lake. It seems like two years ago they were pretty good and nobody expected them to be then. People thought they'd be better last year. and They, they stumbled. They, they, weren't, as, they weren't as good. And But I can remember, I, I don't know, and I can't remember what games, but I was it Jonathan Alder they played or somebody a couple of years ago where – you didn't think they had a shot in that game, and they all of a sudden rose up and won. Or they beat some. Like it seems like they. You never know what you're getting from them for some reason. Well, I think they have some emotional type games too, mm-hmm. where it doesn't matter what the records are if they can. Yeah. If if they're feeling up for the game, that uh, they can be very dangerous. There, there was there were several years when Dave Coburn was the head coach. Uh, Indian Lake was one of your tougher opponents mm-hmm. on your schedule. And uh, they've just been sort of peaking and valleying, I think, is the best way to describe it over the years, last few years at least. So, Bob, you want to go and talk a little bit about the North Union Pleasant game? Uh, A talk radio show that I listen to uh, quite frequently has a segment every Monday called Overreaction Monday. And – so I talked to Coach Nick Kajar sort of about that. Um, you know, win or lose, uh, how do you talk about not overreacting to w- what has happened? Uh, North Eden lost to Pleasant 21-15. to um, And I think the headline that was in Saturday's paper where it says uh, negatives outweigh positives is, is very apropos because – North Indian did have some positive things. Uh, uh, they were able to, to move the ball. Uh, they won the turnover battle. Uh, there was very few penalties, which those of you who have seen North Indian play, they've been penalized a lot sometimes. Um, but they didn't finish drives. And on defense, they could not get Pleasant off the field when they needed to get him off the field. Um, so that was specifically some of the things that uh, Coach Hajar talked about. Uh, the tackling especially, um, nor, or a pleasant rush for uh, over 200 yards in the game. And I, am, I don't have the number because I don't keep that stat, but a large majority of them were yards after contact. Mm. And uh, so that means that Northeen defense was – set up maybe to stop the play, but didn't. Mm-hmm. And so they would get more yardage. And uh, Nick specifically talked about some of the long plays, the double-digit yard plays that Pleasant was able to get. Ten years um, ago, that score wouldn't have surprised you, but Pleasant's really been down. They are 180 degrees different than yeah, the Yeah, they've got first-year head year. coach, correct? First-year head coach. But I'm going to talk about a, a first-year mistake that he made here in just a little bit. But I think uh, um, he, had, it pleasant. He, had, he had coached uh, – <laughs> he had been a 10-year or so assistant at Marion Harding. Um, 
and 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 played for Marion Harding, uh, and and had I, th- I think he still may be their leading uh, in passing yards at, at the school. I think so, and it's a big turnover. But I will say one addition to their coaching staff was a gentleman named Mike Carroll, who was at Pleasant for several years under Coach Coobs. Um, when he when Coobs left, he left. Uh, he's he's back again this year. And I think he's uh, solidified that coaching staff. Uh, uh, he's a longtime coach. He probably has at least 30 years of coaching in. Never a head coach, I don't believe, uh, but he's been an, been an assistant coach for – Those guys are the most important. For a those long, long-time assistants, you know, like Jack Rudy at Marysville and things like that, those long-time assistants mean so much. They know well, where all the bodies it's are a, buried. It's a stable thing where, you know, okay, you know that guy, you know, uh, different, but the the head coach is C.J. Wessler. Um, I am going to tell you that he made a very rookie mistake. Um, Pleasant's leading twenty-one to seven with about three and a half minutes to go. Northeen has one timeout left. They are inside the red zone, inside the twenty. Uh, they have a two-score lead. It's a third and something. I can't remember exactly what it is. He throw it. He throws a f- calls a five yard out. Oh no! That Nolan Draper jumped the route. Nolan Draper jumps the route, eighty five yards for a touchdown. Now it's a one score game. <laughs> to top it off, on the point after, the center snap went over the kicker's head. Probably, I'm going to guess twenty to thirty yards. Maybe not quite that far, but a ways behind the line. Kicker picks it up, starts running. And just throws the ball. I'm not sure he even saw this guy. But there's a guy wide open at the five-yard line, <laughs> catches the ball, two-point conversion. Now they're down by six. It wasn't a Garrow, your premium super, no, super Bowl bad, type no, of thing. No. So. so now there, there's three minutes left. All Northington has to do, and I put this in all capillaries, all, is get a stop. Mm-hmm. They did not. It was something that had happened all game long. Hmm. They weren't able to get a, a stop. Um, Pleasant ran the clock out. That's a big thing. In Marysville's game, they gave up that late score that brought it down to a one-score game. And, you know, that's what Coach Johnson said is, hey, when you've got a two-score lead, you close that door. He goes, you know, all of a sudden we give up that big pass play, they score a touchdown, we got to send the hands team out there and contend with an onside kick. Uh-huh. Like, you uh, different coaching styles but you got to know i would think you would got to know you've got to know better than to of all the things you call there you don't call a five yard out that that a route can be jumped on no and uh but uh, center that ball and try a field goal coach coach hager i mean they they controlled the action in the first quarter first half had two long drives but only scored on one of them uh sort of the same thing you were talking about before um Pleasant gets a score with 20 seconds left in the first half to tie the game. And and Coach Hajar told me after the game, he says, that score bothered me for the simple fact they were – Pleasant was getting the ball to start the second it's half. Huge. Mm-hmm. That's huge. And so they, also mentally. Yeah. Just mentally. You're so, 20 seconds away from it being a completely different ball game. Right. So now they, so now they got a chance to double up. Score at the end. First half scored or started the second half, which is what exactly Pleasant did. 
it seems like there are so many games where that happens on every level. The team that yeah, they get a much-needed score at the end of the first half, they're the team that gets the ball to start the second half, and then they go down and, well, look, and some, sometimes, grab another score. Especially in high school, we've talked about this with North Union. Sometimes teams have identities, and North Union in the last several years plays very much on emotional swings you know, those ups and downs. And remember, we talked, you know, they've had stretches where they've won a lot of games. We're like, okay, what's going to happen when they get punched in the mouth? And we've seen that sometimes they've unraveled. You give up a big score, 20 seconds before halftime, you go in there with your head down a little bit, come out, never get a chance to regroup, and the other team punches you in the mouth again, and all of a sudden, you you that, are where you are. That was the one thing he told me in our in our uh, when I talked to him earlier this week is he went in the locker room saying, "Hey, you know, we're okay. We are, you know, uh, we held the ball for a majority of the first half, and you know, and but then they they just came out and you know they couldn't stop them, and uh, that was a problem, you know, throughout the second half." But as as a, as the headline said, with the positives, they did. You know, Carter Skaggs, first year quarterback, uh, uh, taking over for uh, uh, by, by Connor Caden Lasser. Caden Lasser. Connor plays baseball. Caden <laughs> uh, uh, Lasser. They also lose Owen Davis, uh, all Ohio running back linebacker, who's now at Purdue. Um, so there's some some places he had to to fill in. Um, they got uh, uh, Skaggs was seven of ten for ninety six yards, which isn't terrible. Um, they were able to convert some third downs on offense. Um, so I mean, he, he he saw some very positive things, and um, um, said, you know, the the big thing he talked about when he when he saw the team on Saturday and then again on Monday, um, twenty four hours makes a big difference. You you know you're you're hurting at you know, at the Half hour after the game over, you've lost a game maybe that you thought you should have won or could have won. Um, so now you get to sleep on it. You show up Saturday for the practice uh, and, and you know, walkthroughs and all that kind of thing. And Monday you get back to work. And uh, the getting back to work on Monday, uh, I'm going to guess there's one name that will be talked about that was, that was talked about all week as uh, North Union is going to be hosting Triad this week. And that one name is obviously Awesome Mitchell. Um, he didn't have a big game against North Union last year, but he also he got hurt during the game. So I think he only played a little over a half. So Nick, de- Nick described him as, you know, uh, as somebody that uh, he's a dynamic player. And, um, and he, can, you know, he can score from anywhere. And so, I mean, obviously, and that's where he talked about the tackling that they didn't have last Friday that they will definitely need to have. They Everybody needs to go to the ball. Awesome. We'll make you miss him if you're not really sharp on yeah. your tackling and technique. Uh, so um, it's, it's a situation where uh, over the past few years, North Union hasn't had this situation where week two they're 0-1. 
So they've been want to know for yeah, know, a say, number of years. I don't you know, know how long it's been. It's been I, a lot. I, of I should have looked it up, and I and I didn't. But uh, uh, they uh, uh, so now they're sort of at a, a spot that they're not used to being in. So uh, uh, this is where the coaching staff makes its money. Uh, you know, after a uh, a loss like like they had on Friday, uh, they're meeting another quality opponent this week. Um, so. It's it's a situation that they uh, they've got to they got to look at the, what they did last Friday, accentuate the positives, uh, and and to a certain extent accentuate the negatives because you don't want those to happen again. Yeah, right. So um, it'll be an interesting week this week. Again, uh, uh, they're facing a, a pretty good team. I mean, uh, yeah, they lost Friday night, but. I think there's probably some potential there. Go ahead and uh, talk a little bit about what you saw from Triad when they lost 15-8 to against Mount Gilead. Well, you brought up the score, and it's a very unique score, right? You don't really see that score in uh, football most days. Um, I think for loyal fans of Cardinal Country, I think one of the biggest question marks on this team was the offensive line. All of their offensive linemen from last year are no longer uh, there. They were all seniors. They all graduated. So with a new head coach, Mike Braun, uh, coming in with history with the program, uh, used to be an assistant defensive coordinator for the Cardinals back when they were winning conference titles. The biggest thing that he had to address was, of course, the offensive line. They had to move several specialists, uh, Tucker Webb, Cam Thomas, Reed Todd Hunter, who were more of like H-backs and wing-type players. And he moved them right to the offensive line just to get some varsity experience on that front. And they struggled mightily uh, when it came to running the football. Um, We know that Austin Mitchell is – he is who he is, but he only carried the ball for 24 yards. That is, is that his lowest total ever? I bet that's his lowest total I, ever I was, since he's been there. It's got to be. I was, I was thinking to myself, yeah, that has to be his lowest I, total I ever. I talked to somebody that said that offensive line, like it's never their bread and butter, but they said, boy, oh, boy, yeah. something's got to be done. Well, <laughs> that, that was, guy gets, only gets 24 yards. Alexi and I have talked quite often during the preseason that Triad will go as far as their O-line will take them. I, I think because, again, I can't remember where we've ever had a team who lost all of their offensive linemen in often. one fell swoop. I can't remember. it. It's probably happened before, but, I again, uh, not within my recent memory. But, but uh, yeah, I I've, I've, haven't covered Awesome as much as, as Alexi have, but – Usually, awesome gets twenty four yards just by that's a play. Turning, yeah. that, that's, that's one, one play. play. That's turning a corner. His his longest was a twelve yard run, and that was in the first quarter. So it was obvious that Mount half Gilead, of his production. Right? Had it, had it, that's that's just. I mean, he's had to do it a lot on his own. Yeah. In years prior, like it's it's hard to believe that he couldn't, you know, get out and move. I think I think what Mount Gilead did, which is I think what North Union is trying to do, is. Swarm the ball carrier. Yeah. They did a good job of clogging up all holes up the middle, and really, when it when it came down to it, there was a there was a moment during the uh, second quarter when 
So like the defense, the defense was solid. Obviously it could have done a little bit better. Um, but there was a moment where they get a fourth down stop and like right knocking on their door. And so they take the ball over at the five yard line heading out and just, this is where the, the the inexperience, at least from the offensive line standpoint, starts to show. They start getting pushed back, pushed back. And uh, there was a play that was a basically a toss sweep out to Awesome, and he gets caught in the backfield. Um, and, it's just, and it amounted to a safety. So they scored two points. Um, Mount Gilead scored two points to take a 9-8 lead um, after Awesome scored at the, at the start of the second quarter. And, yeah, there – when I talked to Mike Braun after after the game, he reiterated time and time again that the offensive line needs to go out and attack, and they're not finishing their blocks. I think that's another key thing when it comes to when when that kid only gets twenty four yards, they're not starting their blocks either. Yeah. You know, you talk about them losing all their offensive linemen, and and that's something that doesn't happen that often, but it happens sometimes. But I. What I'm going to say is they should have been developing somebody. Right. You know what I mean? They weren't such a juggernaut with looking at a deep playoff run that they didn't have opportunities to stick in some younger guys in there and get them some playing experience and see what they've got. I mean, I know you're playing for this year, but you've got to have a little bit of an eye towards the future. If you know next year I'm losing all of these guys – you got to start developing some guys on some level. Well, this this Mike inherited this situation. True enough. So. True enough. And yeah. and again, Triad with only what thirty two people maybe yeah. on the roster. That's not a lot of bodies. I get and, it. I get and, it. But and look, it, where, it, look where you're at. Yeah, though. I know. But they've had to move fullbacks to a guard spot. They've had to bring a linebacker over to play tackle. Uh, Two-platoon football is not a luxury for a D6 school. Yeah, and, and, and a lot of these guys play both ways, too, and that obviously uh, – I mean, that's just you know the size of the school and the size just, of the That's tank. a little disappointing that's because – That's a fact of life. They've, for, they've got that new facility. That's beautiful. And they've got – they've been doing – like we've talked about, they've done the right things with where they let the youth players in for free. Like – they should be generating – and, yeah, they're not going to get up to 80 people, but you would think that maybe they'd generate some excitement within the younger kids and get some bodies out there. Well, even this, is the only, this is the second year they've done this. So I get that. I don't know. That, I mean, it may take some time. Let's look at it again maybe three or four years down the road, see what, what that is. But if you take a couple of years of getting kicked, though – I understand that. Yeah, free yeah. admission is only going to do so yeah. much. It's it's you know These should be the years – I mean, look, you saw it in Marysville when they built their new stadium and then, and they had a good year there. Their numbers went up. Mm. Like, I would have thought you'd have seen a little bit of a bump for Triad, even though they are that small. Well, again, even when Peyton Prince was head coach at Triad and they had some really good teams, 34-35 was just about the max that they had on their, their uh, roster. And there were years when they were successful – that they had some serviceable offensive linemen, but they had running backs. Uh, Matt Bailey comes oh, I to know. line. I remember seeing who, those games. Who scooted they through. They did it on their own. They did not need a, much of a hole to get through. And when they got through the hole, they were gone. They get was, zero yards, negative two yards, and then a 65-yard yeah. touchdown. I remember those yeah. games. And – 
triad has a lot of really good skill position players that can make plays in space. Awesome being one of them. Uh, Caden Everhart is the uh, second year starting quarterback uh, for the Cardinals. He uh, threw for 104 yards. The offense generated a total of 141. Um, He had, he completed 10 of 17 um, averaged about 6.1 yards per throw. And these aren't throws that are coming across the middle. These are more like, you know, shallow screens and uh, bubble routes. Um, but again, the the two players that come to mind when it when it comes to their specialists, Hunter Thompson is, I mean, he he had five receptions for seventy four yards. Um, his longest was a thirty three yard uh, jaunt, and uh, he he got them down to the goal line that allowed Awesome to kind of just waltz into the end zone. Um, you know, it, and that's kind of the the scheme that they expected this year, given the fact that a lot more teams that they face are going to key in on Awesome a lot more. And that's not going to change no. until, yeah. until, and that's, and until that's, they show that they can move the ball. And with no exactly. offensive line to help yeah. get bodies off of him, yeah. I hate to say it like this, but they better they better develop some plays where he's a decoy. Like Because I, I didn't even see the game, but yeah. I guarantee – if, if that line is like that, whichever direction he went, three quarters, if not all, of that defense went that way with him. Yeah. Like immediately. They're not reading blocker keys. They're watching him. Yeah. Well, if I'm Triad's offensive coordinator, awesome rush for 1,800 yards last year, which was very impressive. If I'm Triad's offensive coordinator, I'm hoping that awesome doesn't have to rush for that many yards. Because that means – now, if he still does, that's fine. But if he doesn't have to run for that many yards, that means you develop some other weapons that's going to take a lot of pressure off of Awesome because it's Wait, just they're going to be keying on him. He's, the, he's going to be beat up if before the blockers won't do it. If the blockers won't or can't keep people off of him, you've got to scheme around it. Yeah, right. you, You've got to play action pass. You've mm-hmm. got to have the quarterback pull that ball out and roll out and run it. Like, you've got to – I mean, honestly, using him as a decoy is going to pay him dividends if you get people off of him a little bit where they've got to play a little flatter at the line of scrimmage and not just run straight for his number. It, it's going to be hard for him not to be resentful of his line. You know what I'm saying? Like, it, clearly he's a good player. If he's yeah. getting no help – how long is he just going to sit there and go, is somebody going to block somebody? And he plays like, on defense, right? He does, yeah. He's a linebacker? Yeah, yeah. I yeah. can't run he any has block to for myself. You know, because right. oh, I understand that. Yeah, because yeah. of their depth, and he's he's a good defensive player too. Yeah, I mean, I mean, on defense, he totaled uh, 11 total tackles, nine of which were so low. He had two tackles for a loss. But, uh, like, honestly, the, the thing that impressed me most about this game was Reed Todd Hunter, who – had 15 solo tackles, one sack, and two tackles for a loss. He didn't even start the game um, on defense, but he he was very vital in a lot of fourth down possible fourth down conversions for Mount Gilead. And I talked to him after the game, and you know he he said plainly like we can all do better. Um, and he's hoping that coaches always say that though. Yeah, yeah, this is true. This is true as well. Uh, he probably has that coach speak already. Maybe he'll be a coach in the future. But there's, I th- I think there's still stuff to work with on this team. Um, its offense definitely has to answer a lot of questions, and I I think North Union will be a will be a valiant test this week. If they what, can't, what did they? Uh, what did he pass for again? 
Caden Everhart, he yeah. passed for 104 yards. No, how many, how many passes? Oh, uh, ten, uh, 17 total, but connected for 10 okay, of those. That's what, I, I, what I was going to ask is, were there other plays where they were going to pass and he couldn't? Well, there – there, there was one play in particular where he tried to launch it down the field, uh, but it was in double coverage and it turned into an interception. And well, what I'm saying is that the, the scramble the, did he have to scramble was was a, was a pass play called and it ended up being a run. No, uh, okay. When it when it comes to bubble screens, um, it's real quick. It's real quick, and a lot of these uh, passing plays that they ran, they're real they're real quick. So uh, he gets the ball out um, in in a, in a very good time. But well, yeah, if they can get a passing game and be consistent with it, I mean that's for me just after one week uh, is is a key I think uh, to to help out the offense if they can become consistent with that passing game, and it doesn't need to be for two hundred yards. No, yeah. If they can get a hundred yards, if they can get one hundred twenty-five, just to take a little pressure off the running game. It's also a lot easier with bad linemen to pass block if you can just get them in so- in front of somebody. Right, right. You know, you back up a little bit, you get in front of them, and just kind of especially get in their with, way. Especially with quick stuff. As opposed to trying to run block, where you've got to kind of get in there and physically outman the guy. They may have to go to that kind of style of blocking when they run block. They might have to get into kind of just a thing where you shift your feet in the right position, you're almost like pass blocking at the line of scrimmage and let Awesome find cracks, you know, almost like that zone read kind of thing. Well, it where it's not much. about going helmet to helmet and pushing yeah. them out of the way. You just get in their way enough right. to make, make creases. He, he doesn't need much daylight. Make him go through. around you as opposed exactly. to through yeah. you. Exactly, and yeah. then let Awesome do the rest. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if, if you're really undermanned at the line of scrimmage, you know, just make a pile. Just get in their way. Be a speed bump, you know. A lot of answers after one week, or a lot of questions <laughs> after one well, week. Not a lot of answers. Let me we've tell you got all the answers here. <laughs> <don't> <laughs> if there's one stat across every stat sheet we've got, the fact that Austin Mitchell only had 24 yards rushing is mind-boggling. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I mean, we'll see. We'll see exactly what improvements look like this this week. I expect that they're going to continue to really try to like work with this passing game that they have. But um, if Awesome doesn't get – I mean, you know, Awesome only ran the ball 10 times too. So at a certain point, I do recall this, at a certain point they just had to like kind of ditch the ground game and and try something that was working, which was the passing game. And that's what really, you know, got him up and down the field. But Did they ever line him up out there for a bubble screen? No, no they never did. He was always in the backfield. Um, but again – Gets him out there in space. Yeah, this is true. Um, give other teams again. Give other teams something to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, just, I guess, one more thing on the uh, it's Military Appreciation Night at North Union on Friday, and it's also will be their first football game on the uh, refigured field where they put the new grass down that uh, that looks pretty good. So yeah. that tells me two things: stay off the grass, but bring your rifle, right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So. Ninety so that, degrees. They better water that grass. Yeah. yeah. Yep. So they better water everything. Well, now that we're done discussing last week's games and what we think may happen, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, player of the game for each team. Chad, do you have anybody? In- well, yeah. I, strangely enough, I mean, <laughs> here again, I guess keeping that theme of kind of the the faceless squad, I think. Who I would name this week is somebody I didn't even mention. Um, a linebacker, Van and Foltz. Uh, 
um, 61205 people that watch Marysville would see him for his blonde curly hair sticking out <laughs> of the back of his his uh, helmet. He did a he was an impact player on defense. He made a lot of open field tackles, you know, one-on-one, take guys out. He laid a lot of wood on people, too. A lot of times when you heard the hit, he's in there. It seemed like every big kind of impact defensive play, the ones that kind of get the crowd to make a little ooh, like he was in the middle of those. And he really looked like he gave them some swagger on defense and was really – I think he is going to be a hammer in that defense this year. And, you know – I think this is going to be the way it is. I think every week you're going to have maybe somebody else that's that guy. Yeah. Again, no one it player, but right. maybe a lot of they players. Right. So how about you, Lexi, as far as your player of the game? I would say Reed Todd Hunter, senior, uh, real pint-sized guy. Sorry about that. But uh, but he, he does deliver plays when they need it on defense. Um, again, he had uh, 21 total tackles, 15 of those solo. Um, had it had a really nice sack uh, towards the end of the third quarter, um, and and again this this kid didn't even start on defense. Um, so you he, may have said what, what position was he? Linebacker. Linebacker. Yeah. So he um, so and and he's talking to him after the game. He he's taken this season very seriously because this is his last road, and uh, you know he's. A senior leader, I think. Um, I think a lot of guys would look up to him as an example um, in terms of the defensive. Play. With thirty-eight guys on the roster, if he's got that much in the tank, why was he not starting? That's a that's a good question. I'm not quite sure. Yeah, Bob, how about you for North Union? I guess my, mine would be Nolan Draper. Um, he did have the 85-yard interception return that gave Pleasant a, or ple- gave North Union a chance to win over Pleasant when it looked like there was no chance for them to win. And he also you could, had uh, – You can make Pleasant's coach. <laughs> Pleasant's coach is North Union's player of the game. <laughs> yeah. he, he also had five catches for 70 yards. So I, I, that's who I would have would be Nolan Draper, senior uh, running back, wide receiver, defensive back. Well, as far as my game, uh, I'll go with a couple of senior running backs. Of course, the obvious is Cam Jewell. He's just – right now he is our it player. And he just had a very nice ball game. Uh, for jo- or for Fairbanks, I would go with A.J. Lannon, who's a senior. A.J. had been their starting quarterback for the last two seasons, but he r- realized that Carter Miller is going to be the future of their quarterback position. And he, he voluntarily switched to running back and finished with 70-plus uh 70-plus yards in rushing. So uh, those are my two players of the game I covered. I guess that's it. Stay hydrated. All right. That's going to be the show for this week. So game one down, game two coming up. Uh, So be sure and stay tuned for that. We appreciate you listening. We'd like to thank our sponsor, Axiona Energia, for sponsoring the podcast. As always, if you like what you hear, please be sure and subscribe or follow. Uh, You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and lots of other places where podcasts are available. So be sure to tune into the show next week, and we'll see you on Thursday.